Since the 1880s, the exciting Orient Express has taken travelers from Paris in the west, through all the mystery of the Balkan Peninsula, and on to Istanbul, which back then was the Ottoman Empire, considered the old man of Europe. The train is just drenched in mystique and intrigue, in part because it was immortalized, of course, in literature and movies, most famous perhaps because this was the scene of the murder that inspired Agatha Christie's murder on the Orient Express. Well, this year is the first year since 1883 that the Orient Express has not shown up in the European train timetable. And we want to talk a little bit about the passing of the Orient Express. I'm joined by Cameron Hewitt. He's my co-author of a guidebook to Eastern Europe and my in-house expert on all things Balkan and, like me, a train aficionado. Cameron, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Great to be here. So, Cameron, what, what do you make of the, the ending of the Orient Express this year? Well, it, it marks the end of an era of rail travel across Europe. I mean, this is something that's been happening for a long time. Uh, there hasn't actually been a through train from Paris all the way to Istanbul since about the 1970s. But over time, as budget airlines are popping up and allowing to cover long distances cheaply and, and bullet trains are replacing the old romantic night trains, it just sort of shows the passing of a vintage age of rail travel. So really the, uh, the old age when we used to dress up to go onto an airplane and now kids hop on an airplane to make that trip from Paris to Istanbul for 50 bucks or something Exactly. Like that. I mean, imagine being in a train station, you're a grubby vagabond walking past a train platform, a door opens of an elegant train car, a red carpet literally rolls out, someone sets up a podium for a little speech. This was the, the Orient Express in its glory days when, when rail travel was something exotic and luxurious and exciting. And we train travelers and we old backpackers sort of lament the passing of that day, I think. Although we don't complain about the ease of being able to step onto a bullet train and not show our passport at a border and not meet all sorts of scary characters at each crossing and customs booth and so on. Now, there's two different Orient Expresses. Explain that, because I think that confuses a lot of people. Well, the, the term Orient Express can kind of be applied to any train trip from the west to the east, um, specifically from Paris to Istanbul is what it was best known for. But over the years, the actual route would change a lot. For a while, it went through Venice. At other times, it went through Vienna. During Nazi Germany, it actually skirted through Switzerland to the south to avoid going through Germany. Through the Cold War, of course, the route kept changing. The one thing that stayed the same was the name Orient Express, which meant this train from the west to the east. And there's also a luxury tour company called uh, Venice Simplon Orient Express, and they're actually still running. They'll actually still run luxurious, top-end, thousands of dollars for a couple-of-day trip across Europe in a, in a very elegant 1930s vintage night train. And that's a, a highly advertised sort of tour experience, and it's a, a plush, what, $2,000 for the one-week uh, trip? Something like that. Actually, I, I saw that it was $9,000 for the one time a year that they do the entire Orient Express route from Paris to Istanbul. It costs $9,000 per person. So this is like for people who are going to book on to Richard Branson's first trip to outer space or something like that. This is the ultimate train ride. It's the super luxury train ride for the nostalgic traveler who creating, wishes they could go back to the 1930s. Yeah, creating that time warp to those elegant days of the 1930s. Me and you, I think it means pulling out the seat and sleeping and hoping you don't get ripped off by the next morning. Exactly, exactly. And that's something that you get nostalgic about even as a vagabond traveler who, who would take the basic Orient Express where maybe you were sleeping in the aisle surrounded by, by chickens and peasants and this sort of thing. Now, what is it about the, the mystique of the Orient Express? Let's, let's think about that because, for one thing, the Balkan Peninsula, that's just steeped in intrigue anyways. Well, look at the name. Orient Express says it all. Orient is the east, so it's this mysterious eastern chunk of Europe. It can mean anything basically east of the Iron Curtain. Um, the Balkan Peninsula, it went through a lot of the big cities of the, of the east, Belgrade, Budapest, Bucharest, um, Sofia. And during the war and after the war, World War II, Vienna was just a den of spies, wasn't it? Exactly. Um, 
if you think about it, both Vienna and Istanbul were kind of after World War II, not really fully in the East, not fully in the West. They were both hotbeds of spies right after World War II. This was at a time when the Orient Express did run from Vienna to Istanbul. And imagine getting on in a den of spies, getting off in another den of spies, and in between going through the mysterious East where new borders were popping up all the time. They had to keep rerouting it through the Cold War because this border would close or that border would open. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're lamenting the passing of the Orient Express. Uh, This is the first year since the 1880s when your European Thomas Cook timetable doesn't have a departure heading from France all the way to the Orient, Istanbul, that's labeled the Orient Express. Actually, it is a little bit of an overstatement to say from Paris to Istanbul because for a long time it hasn't been able to do that. And the most recent trip, what it just went from Strasbourg to... From Strasbourg, France, um, to only Vienna. to Vienna. And right. so every every few years they'd have to inch back what was the Orient Express from Istanbul. It actually only ran to Istanbul until about 1977. In its most recent incarnation, it went from Paris to Vienna, hardly the East, hardly the Orient, right. but at least it was east of Paris. And then (laughs) this is where uh, this new network of bullet trains around Europe is changing things. The TGV popped up and suddenly the old rails that the Orient Express drove on couldn't follow the TGV all the way into Paris. So it had to stop or start at Strasbourg. I remember taking that ride from Paris to Vienna or Paris to Istanbul back in the 70s. As a matter of fact, every year I took it basically from Istanbul back to Europe. It's two days on that train. And I mean, you're on that train. You've got your produce that you picked up at the market before getting on that train that's supposed to last you for two days. Your feet are swelling up because you've been sitting for so long. You want to stretch out so badly, you open your youth hostel sleeping sack up and you lay on the floor. And when the peasants come on in the middle of the night, they seem to intentionally bounce their bags of potatoes and chickens on your head as they walk by you wondering, what's this you know, hippie tourist doing on the floor of my train? Just an amazing thing. And when you hit the border, every time you hit a border, you get a new set of guards and a new set of customs officials and a new set of conductors. And every country is different. And you see these characters coming on with briefcases. And you wonder what's in that briefcase. And you see men coming on with overcoats. And you wish you could open up that overcoat and see what he's hiding under that. It probably wasn't that intriguing. But when you think of Agatha Christie and everything, your imagination goes wild. And it really contributed to quite an interesting travel experience. And that's the thing about the Orient Express. It has this this rich history. Think about the contrast between that Cold War period that you took the train during, in the 1930s, which was sort of its glamorous heyday, a train ride of two days all the way across Europe was something really unthinkable. You'd step on a train in Paris. You'd basically sleep for two days through the entire length of Europe. You'd wake up in Istanbul. You'd step off the train, and you're at the Sirkeji train station right there in Istanbul. The Bosphorus Strait is right in front of you. There's ferries across the street from the train station that would take you across the strait, literally to Asia. So you get on a train in Paris, and you end up across the Bosphorus Strait from Asia. Even today, when you come into Sirkeji Station in Istanbul, it is a thrill. It's an exotic wonderland. And you step off that train, and you still got the the sandwich you uh, put together in Paris. You know, it's a little stale by now. But you step off, and all of a sudden, you've got all the wonders of Turkey. And back then, it would have been the Ottoman Empire. That is part of the mystique. Another part of the mystique is just all the literature and the movies and so on that have stoked this interest. Because of this this rich heritage and this rich history, you think it's it's inspired so many artists and writers over the years. Agatha Christie, you mentioned, is the most famous for sure. Um, but, you know, James Bond, for example, romanced a Russian spy on the Orient Express in, in, uh, from Russia with love. I was looking for her, and I never saw any beautiful Russian spies on, on the <laughs> I saw very sleazy conductors, all right? And then even in, in Bram Stoker's Dracula, Van Helsing 
went to capture Dracula to fight Dracula, took the Orient Express down all the way through uh, through Bulgaria to be able to catch up to Dracula. And adding to the whole venerable grandeur and elegance of the thing, you have to have a fine hotel at the end of a great train ride. All over Europe, you see terminus hotels. You know, the Orsay Gallery in Paris was a station, and it has a fancy terminus restaurant and hotel originally in it. And, of course, when you go from Paris, all these elegant, important people going all the way to Istanbul, there's got to be an appropriate hotel waiting for them. And at first, when they started running this train, there wasn't. Istanbul didn't have a hotel to the specifications of the the wealthy uh, diplomats and even royalty who would be taking the Orient Express from Paris. And so they actually built one. They custom-built a luxurious hotel called the Parapalace Hotel that was specifically designed to cater to the, the wealthy people who'd come into town on the Orient Express. Actually, Agatha Christie stayed there while writing her novel, and they're just renovating it right now. They're going to reopen it soon as a yet again another generation of a, of a great luxury hotel. And it's designed to welcome tourists to feel the mystique of those great old days. Well, when I was there a few years ago, you could actually go in, and uh, I don't even think you had to pay admission. You could just go poke yeah. around, and, and if you if you tip the bellhop, he'd show you Agatha Christie's room, which still has the, the bed she slept on and the desk she wrote at. And think of the people who have stayed there. Especially during those those glory days of the Orient Express, you had Jackie Kennedy, uh, Tito, the the dictator of Yugoslavia, Mata Hari, the Duke of Windsor, uh, Ataturk, of even course, Ataturk. The, the great the great Turkish president, uh, father of the Turkish nation. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're lamenting the passing of the Orient Express. And Cameron, I'm holding the Thomas Cook timetable, the last one where the Orient Express uh, actually had a part. And I see here uh, the train departed from Strasbourg at 2037, and it arrived in Vienna at 640 the next morning. And I think how that really is a sign of the times. Uh, of course, there's a bullet train that goes from Paris to Strasbourg, so the train wouldn't leave from Paris anymore. And anybody who's going to go from Vienna to Istanbul these days is going to fly instead of taking that train across the long Baltics. But from 1883 until 2009, the Orient Express had a part in the lore of traveling in Europe, and today it's gone. What do you, Cameron, what sort of souvenir do you have for the rest of your traveling life when you think back on uh, the age of the Orient Express? Well, when you think of this this train that would cut right through the middle of Europe to all these these grand capitals, it gives you an appreciation for the fascinating cultural mosaic of Europe. Think about everything that a traveler would have seen getting on in Paris and getting off in Istanbul, the, the tremendous diversity that you see as you pass through each country. And think also about how far Europe came over the course of the 20th century. I mean, this is something that ran constant throughout the almost the entire 20th century. And think about all the stories that the train could tell, having seen so much history. And a line that had to actually jockey itself around and dance around all the problems that festered through Europe in the last century. And how today, as Europe is united, the the amazing fact today is Turkey's trying to join the European Union, and you don't have to show a passport from one end of Europe to the other. Exactly. There's an irony that as Europe is getting smaller, it's in some ways getting harder to take a train through that part of Europe anymore. Like you said, it's it's even hard to find trains. You have to take the flights. And for me, my souvenir about the memories of the Orient Express is how it brought me from Paris to Istanbul, introducing me to Turkey and letting me gain an appreciation for that most exciting place where East meets West. Cameron Hewitt, thanks for joining us. And uh, I think all of us travelers will have fond memories of the Orient Express. Great. Thanks for having me. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. His classic, Europe Through the Back Door, teaches the skills of smart travel, and his country, city, and snapshot guides cover what to see, where to eat, and where to sleep for every corner of Europe. To learn more about Rick's books, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.